the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <The> man. <laughs> I hope all is well, or, or at least tolerable in your world. I'm speaking directly to you, the listener, right now. Just you and me. You know, I, often I feel detached and removed while communicating to you on this show. I, I yearn for a more meaningful relationship where we have a real connection. My problem is I lack the interpersonal skills to develop that type of connection with humans. Now with animals, I develop a bond immediately. They usually all love me. Unfortunately though, dogs, goldfish, whatever, just don't show up in the ratings, which I believe is very unfortunate. <coughs> So recently I've been informed by management that I need to make a better attempt to humanize myself. Basically so you don't hate my guts so much. You know, it's, it's a lofty goal, but I signed off on, on trying to make this happen. We'll see how this effort goes. But, but right now I need to introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Go ahead and give us a snappy chuckle, if you would. Oh, oh, okay. Hmm. Here you go. Uh, well, well done, Aunt Dorothy. Really? Well, thank you. But maybe next time you could, you know, put a little more low end to your chuckle. Oh. Just, just a suggestion. Oh, okay. And now I need to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, go ahead and say something that... Just don't take advantage of the position I'm in with management and deliver one of your filibusters. Keep it brief and to the point. You know, like, hello. Well, why didn't you say so? That would pretty much take care of your responsibilities. Oh, well, I would be happy. I would be happy to say hello. To say hello. And also to express... Well, one hello is more than adequate. And now I need to formally announce oh. the presence of our show's intern, Chance. Uh, yes, he is alleged to be kind of popular. I mean, supposedly more than anyone else on the program, but... But serious doubts are still held by many, okay? Like me, for one. But hey, here he is. Chance, you're up. I will ignore your attempt to denigrate the mandate I have received from our listeners. Face it, Spud. They love me. So let's just move on as this case has been adjudicated. Sweetie, you're showing such personal and emotional growth in handling your professional relationship with Spud. In the past, you would often get into verbal spats with him that, well, I must say, I, I am very impressed. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. Thank you, Dorothy. I'm becoming more secure and confident these days. I think there's a moment in a man's life where he looks at himself in the mirror and has to decide. Do I like myself, 
Well, my answer right now is I really like myself. That is messed up, yo. Uh, that's, that's good to know, Chance. So, so what I wanted to discuss on this show is yet another thing I've been instructed to do if I want to supposedly keep my job. Uh, I guess I've not been using sufficient dramatic or uh, I think the memo said use more expressive language on the air. Uh, basically, I'm supposed to go with hyperbole whenever possible. This is, it's not going to be easy for me as I, I tend to avoid that type of thing. Uh, you know, I was shown research that listeners respond to strong, often over-the-top language. I kid you not, they have now broken down ratings to a by-the-minute thing. And if I would just toss in some well-timed, uh, I think the term is hotly charged words, then, then I could double or triple our numbers. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I see no problem. No problem with that, Spud. Spud. I would gladly toss in some hotly charged words. Gladly toss hotly charged words. Just let me know when. Just let me know when. Shut up. Um, what's up with the repeating words thing? You, you seem to have... Had me having some trouble here? Did, did you have like a mini stroke or something? Me? Me? Uh, uh, that Yeah, you. That could be this little condition. Uh, little condition. My doctor's treating. It's not serious. Not serious. He says it's temporary. It's temporary. Well, I, I sure hope it's temporary, as that could really get on the nerves of anyone you come in contact with. Uh, what's this condition called? Well, my doctor said he's not sure, so it has to be pretty rare. Pretty rare. He's thinking of using me to write a paper about it. A paper about it. He wants to do it quickly as he thinks it'll go away on its own. On its own, without any need for treatment. How's the family dealing with it, especially your wife? You know, women don't like it when men repeat themselves. I was told that by many women over the years. I mean, they... They never understood. I was just trying to make sure they were listening. How does that resonate for you in the bedroom? Oh, Spud, women don't enjoy being hammered with the same information over and over. You tend to wear down the women in your life. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard, I'll be honest, yeah. yeah. I have learned to communicate with Dorothy in a very intimate and effective manner. It took some practice, but now it's smooth sailing. You had me at hello. It sure is, babe. Um, I will soon be getting a text from our executive producer, Lori, if I don't start using some of those aggressively, uh, I guess, descriptive words. So I'm about to toss in freaking amazing, totally unbelievable, and mind-blowing in a sentence soon. And, and that ought to take care of that problem right now, though, for a few minutes. Okay, so let's play some music. Uh... Yeah, let, let's cue up a tune by the Seattle band Beverly Crusher. Um, this song is titled Gimme the Power. Here it is.
Hey, this is Tony Dow from uh, the Leave It to Beaver show, and you are listening to the Spud Goodman show, which is kind of a goofy thing to be doing, but hang in there. Spud, your first guest, Kim Coates, is waiting to speak with you. Now, I heard you talking to your aunt about Mr. Coates. Evidently, you two really liked that motorcycle show he used to be on, right? Yeah. Well, uh, the yeah. one, uh, I think you've talked about it in the past, Brothers of something or something. Sons of Anarchy, oh, and, yeah, and yeah. Kim was great on it. I never missed an episode of that show. But, I mean, I mean, I... I know, like, and Dorothy, I know you're a motorcycle enthusiast, you know, and you ride your Harley all all over the place. Yeah. But I, I, you're not affiliated with a club. I, I understand that. But it does make, that show made it seem so cool. It's like being part of a family, you know, because I, I, I did used to own a motorcycle. I've told this, I spoke about this on the show. I had a Honda 90 when I was younger. I, I don't think they let you in motorcycle clubs with bikes that sound like those. I, I'm pretty sure of that. I, I'm not positive. But anyway, I'm very proud that we've had a bunch of cast members from Sons of Anarchy on this show. My goal is to get everyone in the main cast on. You know, maybe sometime I will watch one of those episodes. When, when What channel is it on? Uh, dude, it ended in 2014. Uh, oh. Kim has a new movie out that, that I'm going to be discussing with him, so just put him through. Here he is. Say hello to actor Kim Coates. We appreciate you coming on our show, man. Hey, Spud. How you doing, buddy? Let's get into this. You have a new movie out, Neon Lights, which is now available on demand and on digital. Can you give us the basics of the storyline? I sure can. Yeah, Neon Lights. We uh, It's a psychological thriller with a bit of horror, with a bit of mental health all in the mix. It's an incredible story, really. Um, Dana Abraham wrote it and stars in it. He plays okay. Clay Amani, a tech tycoon who retreats to an off-location like mansion that is part of his family, and he's bringing all his family back for a bit of a reunion. He's been a recluse millionaire, lost all his money, doesn't know what the hell's going on, brings all his siblings back and his sister-in-law and her child back to the estate to figure things out. And, and, and what happens is the past starts to intertwine through the whole movie. I play a guy called Denver Kane. Well, I can't even talk about. I can't even talk about because you have to watch the movie to figure out what's going on. You know, bro, Spud, I, wrote, I read this thing three times before I said I would talk to the director and, and Dana about it because it was so beautifully convoluted and hard to understand uh, because of the mental health aspect and because of the flashbacks and what, what, what have you. So for me to say yes, and now to see it a year and a half later, finally come to theaters and video on demand, and it's, it's, it's being so talked about. The reviews have been amazing. My daughter, Brenna Coates, stars in it with me. They were oh, lucky super. enough to offer it to her, too. Everyone's so good in this movie. It's, it's, a, it's a gut punch. Oh. It's an Alfred Hitchcockian-type thriller that you're going to be so shocked at the end. It's really... It's really beautiful and hard to watch at the same time. All right, super. Well, 
you know, Kim, you're, you're a Canadian citizen, but you're also a U.S. citizen, too, a dual citizen. I've asked other guests yeah. who have this status if they can vote in both countries' elections, but I've never received a clear answer because I was considering maybe getting a second apartment in, say, Vancouver to vote in another country's election, too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I know I'm both Canadian, Canadian first and then American, so I'm both, so I get to vote in both countries happily, oh, and I do. Awesome. I, I, I never, ever miss up an opportunity to vote. We all need to vote more and more and more, especially these days with the craziness that continues to fly around, especially in America. Yes, so, yes. So <clears throat> I'm pretty proud to be both. I really am, and I take that, that seriously. So I'm, I'm lucky to be both Canadian and American. Well, you, you have a hipper prime minister, but our president, you know, he rides a bike a lot, and he, he, he's old, but he's still trying, you know, his best. He, he, that gig is not easy. That's what I want to say. But anyway, all right. Uh, let me move on here. You, you were very active sure. in theater uh, before you got your first role on screen. What, what was the biggest difference besides craft services, of course, you experienced showing up on the set for your <laughs> first part in the film The Boy in Blue in 1986? Yeah, even before The Boy in Blue, I, I did my very first commercial. And it was like 1985, maybe. I was, on, I was at Stratford, and it was a schooner beer commercial. And I remember I got paid $800 for one day. And I was like, are you kidding me? 800 that was so much money back then. So, you know, the big difference is, obviously, film and TV... They say you become a real actor when you do stage, you become a star when you do movies, and you become rich when you do TV. That's mm -hmm. what they say. I don't know. I don't know if any of it's true, but I certainly took it seriously and from my stage career to then TV and then to movies. It's all worked out for me. All right. Uh, Spud? What? Well, excuse me, but I, I have a question. Uh, Kim, I'll be right back. You can't ask the guests questions. You know that. Okay, well, you ask him then as if what Kim here says is true, that you become a real actor when you do stage, and you become a star when you do movies, and you get rich doing TV. Where does that leave you and me? Hopefully, there'll be some payoff for us doing this radio talk show. Well, in life, there are no guarantees. Yeah, I know there used to be some guys in radio that made a killing, you know, major money, but it, it's why this seemed like a good career move way back after my cable TV show was canceled. Uh, I had high hopes, but let's be real. Having a radio show nowadays is like putting on a yard sale. They're kind of fun, and you make a few bucks, but it's not like a real job. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I made, I think, $72 at our own yard sale last summer. I, I think we were too soft in our pricing, as, you know, people wear you down negotiating. They are relentless. If something is priced at 25 cents, they offer you a nickel. It, it's not worth it. I hear you. All right, but just so let me get back to Kim, okay? All right, I've returned, man. Well, when you took the role of Tig on Sons of Anarchy in 2006, did you do any research into the biker culture? Because that show seemed to get it right and was very popular with clubs everywhere. Yeah, it was a big hit, right? I mean, 2008 seems like a long time ago now. Um, I've been riding my whole life, so I was definitely a rider my whole life, uh, from the farms in Saskatchewan, little Kawasaki dirt bikes to, to street bikes. I, I'd never owned a Harley until I started doing Sons. But I was a big Kawasaki guy. Um, 
I knew of clubs, but I never partook in any of their their doings or their parties or anything like that. So, no, when I got cast as Tig Traeger, it was a lot of research, a lot of fast, fast research on the Hells Angels and Sonny Barger and everything else that goes along with that. And Kurt Sutter and John Linson, who co-produced it and wrote it, had a big bike culture pass. So we all had, had to go studying on, on that whole thing. And it, and it showed. We all became pretty good riders. Me and Boone and DL were the only real riders on that show. Everyone else had to learn. And uh, they did pretty good by the end. There was a lot of mishaps early. But no, the, the whole culture of, of being a one percenter was, uh, was in the forefront of Sons of Anarchy. And I think the last seven years is a testament to, to I guess, how, how well we did that. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've had a few cast members on over the years. Ron Perlman, Ryan Hurst, Harold, Harold Perrineau, uh, Drea DeMatteo, yeah. Emilio Rivera. So hey, what I'm getting at, it was a huge cast. So it's going to take us some more time to get, you know, everyone on. So uh, do you guys ever, ever get together at all and hang out? Oh, my God. What a great question, Spud. We do all the time. All oh. the time. Wow. I see Tommy and Boone and Theo and Ronnie all the time. I see Emilio once in a while. I see I see Kenny Johnson. Um, yeah, I mean, when when we get together for these signings or a charity or just to ride, we don't ride as much anymore because we're all over the world. But we'll never forget each, other, each other's friendship. I've been doing so much press for this movie, Neon Lights, and I mean this when I say this: that the thing I take away most from Sons was the friendships. Right. We're all buddies. We all we all love one another, which is a miracle certainly in the business I'm in and certainly from that kind of that kind of TV show we had each other's backs for seven years and we continue to do so so that's pretty cool right that's pretty cool absolutely well real quick trivia question on this season's Minds MC you made a special appearance uh, did, putting on the old cut how was that and was it the same one you wore on the Suns or did they come up with a new one for you oh no same one bro oh, oh yeah okay like when I when I rode off into the sunset in 2014, when Suns was all over, I still had my cut and my belt and my knife and my bangles and my necklace and my tattoos, and I kept it all. My bike, I kept my motorcycle from the show. So to be called seven, eight years later by my people going, the Mayans want you back, I, I, only me and my dog has passed away now, Tara. We knew where that cut was. No one else in this house knew where it was. And I, I went to look for it because I never put it on. I'll just never forget putting it on when I wore it as take. But to put that cut back on and put that VP patch on it and, and have them pick up my bike at my house and make sure it's all tuned up and use it in that scene with Emilio. Come on, man. You can't make that up. I mean, it was... It was a special couple of days on set for me to reprise Tig Traeger for sure. Well, let's end it on that note because I was. Uh, thank you for that. All right. Well, let me say again that you have a new movie out titled Neon Lights that is now available in theaters on demand and on digital. Um, thank you so very much for spending some time with us. Oh, you're the best, dude. Let's talk again. I can't wait. Thanks a lot. Take care of Seattle. All right, Mr. Kim Coates. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment.
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Spud, I hope my condition's not causing you any problems. Not causing you any problems. Like I said, my doctor said it will probably, it will probably just go away on its own. What are you people? On dope? I think there are federal laws that would prevent me from getting torqued off at you for this, so uh, I'm just going to say no comment. Gerald, is it causing any issues for you at your other job selling carpet and linoleum? I would think your customers would be understanding. Well, so far, so good. So good. At my job at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. My assistant manager, Jeff, assistant manager, Jeff, said he thought it would be better to keep me off the floor until it goes away. He thought it would be better to keep me off the floor. But luckily, our store manager, Kevin, overruled him. Our store manager, Kevin, overruled him. I am number three in sales this month. Number three in sales this month. Uh, right. Okay. Let me fit in a few of those hot words right now. I'm pretty sure our next guest will be stupendous. And Anna Dorothy, uh, can you give us a, a mind-bending chuckle now? Right now? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> ah, there you go. Ah. Well, that was state-of-the-art. I mean, that was just an amazing chuckle, Aunt Dorothy. Just awe-inspiring. Really? I thought it was one of my average chuckles, but it's nice to hear you were impressed. I said it, but yeah, I mean, there may be a bit of praise inflation on this episode. I see. To be honest, the next time, could you maybe give it a a bit more vibrato uh, in your tone? What's with you, Johan? Spud. You're a really tough critic when it comes to Dorothy's laughing on the show. Her job is not easy. I'd like to see you laugh on demand. I tried it before and failed miserably. I don't know if miserably is one of those words I'm supposed to use, but yeah, you were miserable at it. Yes! Uh, Like I said earlier, Spud, I stand ready. I stand ready to contribute some real snappy, to contribute some real snappy words. In many ways, I am your hype man. In many ways, I am your... I don't need a hype man. Uh, I can't rap or do anything that would call for a hype man. Uh, No need to go there. Well, you said you got a memo, got a memo from management to insert words that grab someone's attention. Words that grab someone's attention. And I can help you. Help you. I don't think so. Gerald... I don't want to sound mean here, but you're really grating on my nerves with this repeating thing. With this repeating thing. Can you maybe just keep quiet until the show's over? I think it would make our listeners very happy. Uh, the kid's got a point, and it pains me to say so. How about you use sign language the rest of this episode? I mean, you, you uh, can toss in a few hot and expressive words that way if you want, and... Before you do it, though, you might want to stretch a bit as, as those people on the side at press conferences, you know, that do this seem to get a real workout doing their job. Um, I think it'd be actually... Uh, I don't think it would be appropriate to have Gerald responded sign language. Just let him speak. Okay, it was just, just a suggestion. Um, here's a few more words for management. The absolute best 
second to none, and maybe exceeds all expectations. Oh, those are good ones. Are good ones. But how about uh, about exceptionally exceptional or top shelf shelf and mesmerizingly mesmerizing? Uh, actually, those words should work. Thanks for that. What walks downstairs, a loner in pairs, and makes a slinkity sound. A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows it's the Spud Goodman Show. This was it. The first strike at enemy heartlands. It was Saturday, April 18th, 1942. The place, somewhere in the Pacific. For five months, forces from the land of the rising sun had ruled the islands and sea. Each 2,000-pound load of bombs and incendiaries would hit where it hurt the most. Then the planes would race away, riding radio beams to hidden airfields in China. There, that does it. Hey, Dad, come take a look at my Zero model now. Doesn't it look great? You sure did a good job on it, son. Looks just like the real thing. Reminds me of the first time I saw Zero. Did I ever tell you about that? You mean the story about when you were at Pearl Harbor, Dan? Yeah, that's right. I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Our assigned target was Kaneohe Airfield. I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Our assigned target was Kaneohe Airfield. I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Kaneohe Airfield. Kaneohe Airfield. Kaneohe Airfield. Kaneohe Airfield. Did I ever tell you about that? You mean the story about when you were at Pearl Harbor, Dan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Did I ever tell you about that? You know, we all thought that zero Dad. was made of bamboo and rice paper. Did I ever tell you Dad. about that? I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Dad! We used to laugh and say we would shoot down enemy with bamboo bullets from our rice paper airplanes. But we sure got the surprise of our lives. Did I ever tell you about that? You mean the story about when you were at Pearl Harbor, Dan? Yeah, that's right. Did I ever tell you about that? You mean the story about when you were at Kaneohe Airfield? Well, anyway... This is John Cameron Swayze. I understand you men are meeting here today to kick off a big sales push in this area. And while I can't be with you in person, I'll be doing my best to backstop you in radio and TV. You know, I've been to Port Charlotte not just once, but three times. I've seen it from the air, from a boat, plane, and the last time, from a helicopter. Under secret orders, Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle and his volunteers would take off from the carrier and blast, blast, blast key targets on the mainland. During briefing, Doolittle was asked, Colonel, what should we do if we have to crash land in Japan? Doolittle's answer was quick. Each pilot is his own plane carrier. He alone is plane pilot, plane and crew. Each man must eventually decide for himself what he'll do when the chips are down. Personally, I know exactly what I'm going to do. What will you do? I intend to be taken prisoner. Taken prisoner. If my plane is crippled beyond any possibility of fighting or escape, I'm going to be taken prisoner. Bail my crew out and then be taken prisoner. And if I were you, I'm not sure I'd make the same decision. It's up to each pilot to be taken prisoner and each man to decide what he'll do. From a helicopter, you're not just selling vacant land out in the middle of nowhere with no community, no facilities. You're selling a new way of life. Suddenly on the horizon, a Japanese patrol boat. Admiral Bull Halsey called Doolittle to the bridge on the double. That ship must be radioing our position right now. We have to get out of here before their long-range bombers find us. 
For Doolittle, it was now or never. I intend to be taken prisoner. For two seconds, the B-25 raced downhill. Then, exactly as the ship's bow came up level, the plane reached the end of the deck. Doolittle was off. I intend to be taken prisoner. As the flight controller snapped his flag, three-bladed props yanked each plane in sequence down 500 feet of deck. Sixteen B-25 bombers, all of them got off that pitching deck in a wind of gale force and headed due west. Well, anyway, I was stationed at Kaneohe Airfield. Did I ever tell you about that? Yeah, that's right. Did I ever tell you about that? Please greet our show's resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson. We appreciate you doing this once more. Uh, I was kind of thinking by now you you would have tried ghosting us or something, you, you know, not picking up when, when our people call you to do this. That would not happen. If it comes to the point where I don't enjoy participating in this segment, I will let your producer know. Okay. Right. For now, this is still a pleasant experience. Yeah, well, that's very good to know. So what I wanted to talk with you about on this segment was something that came up in, in a prior relationship I had. You know, I, I, I've i never felt like I've ever found an answer, and I know it's going to come up again with some woman I'm with down the road. So what I'm talking about is when the person you're with with you know has all these fantasies to bring out when when it gets time to have sexual relations you know uh, it, it doesn't bug me to hear them from a woman the the problem is when they ask for me to describe one of my own to them because I, I don't do fantasies I mean I hated those Hobbit movies all three of them uh, I just do just don't do fantasy well well okay did your parents not expose you to the normal childhood fantasy classics? You know, like the adventures of Pinocchio or, say, maybe Alice in Wonderland? Uh, no. My, my, my dad did read, you know, to me sometimes at night, uh, you know, when he was not playing poker somewhere. He was, he's, he was a big-time gambler. He mostly read me something from Mad Magazine because, you know, he subscribed to it, and I, I really got a kick out of it. It was, a, it was some of my best childhood memories, actually. All right. Um, I have had patients discuss with me their difficulty developing fantasy storylines in their sex lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has been mostly men, and okay. it seems to be connected to their lack of exposure to fantasy books as children. But here's the key point. You can develop disability as an adult. It's not too late. Huh. Well, well that's good to hear, because I... I had about given up on this, and whenever a woman brings up her fantasies, I usually just try to change the subject as fast as I can, because I, I know it'll eventually lead to her asking me what my fantasies are, and I, and I never have an answer. I mean, I, I might add, you know, when a woman learns that I'm, that I'm not even capable of making something up on the spot, you know, like, like if I, you know, didn't have anything to add to the occasion, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just not a plus. It's a, it's a, it's a buzzkill. At least for her, that's what I've picked up. 
Well, it sounds to me like you're having something blocking your ability to create a sexually exciting scenario. Something that would make a special experience happen in your relationship. Well, you know, my last girlfriend said something like that, uh, if I remember her correctly. She, I guess it was, how if I could just relax and let my mind take me to a romantic place, it would add, you know, some needed spice to our relationship. Well, uh, I could never get my imagination to that place. You know, you know, set up the storyline where I probably had no clothes on. Well, and then, then, you know, then I start thinking about my overhanging gut because at that time I was like 20 pounds or so overweight, and the fact that she, you know, she just told me about her fantasy about being with Lorenzo Lamas. You know, remember Lorenzo Lamas? But you know, back yeah. then he was considered kind of a hunk. But anyway, yeah, she, she you know, yeah, she, she had bad taste in men. I'll, I'll, that's that's a fact. But anyway, I think the problem for me is when I when I hear my partner's fantasy is I always just make them go first, of course. Uh, then I just can't stop doing my film critic thing and, and start tearing it apart. You know, for the, for those listening, be aware that. This definitely is a deal killer killer with women. Never, ever, listen to me here, never, ever criticize a woman's fantasy, a sexual fantasy, or at least wait until the romantic encounter's over, you know? Wow. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Bringing judgment to the bedroom is never a smart option. No one, no one expressing their deepest sexual thoughts appreciates undergoing a performance appraisal, you know, a review... Yeah, but it's not like I, I post a Rotten Tomatoes score on Facebook or something. I I just tend to give a, a little, you know, a bit too much feedback to the to the women in my life after having sexual relations. It's just, I don't know. I just I have a hard time keeping a lid on it. But but on the upside, you know, my critical analysis skills ha- has added greatly to my career as a talk show host. So it's like a plus on one side of my life and a disaster in another part. Well, you know, the more you lay out this situation, the more I think it's it might be best that you refrain from anything to do with sexual fantasies. Really? I've never counseled <laughs> I've never counseled a client to do this before, but in your case, it really makes sense. I'm sure there are potential lovers who will find this unacceptable as it is an important element in most women's sex lives. But just have to make an exception with you. This is an example of why I do find doing this segment with you is helpful in my practice. I often encounter situations that I never faced professionally. You, Spud, are a true black swan. A black swan, huh? I I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but, you know, I'll I'll just take it as one. Say, Spud. Yes? I'm not sure myself that being called a black swan is a compliment. I've never seen a black swan. I mean, I've seen a black bear or a black crow. I I once had a pet black crow growing up, but I've never heard of a black swan. Uh, Christine, I'll be right back. Dude, I think your point is, I'm like, unique, you know? Now, unique could mean many things, from I'm a total freak to maybe just a little unusual. I choose to go with unusual. Well, that's your prerogative, I guess. My take is, she might have been referring to some maybe genetically engineered swan? You know, after an experiment in a lab somewhere went wrong? Of course you went with the worst case scenario. Anyway, just, just let me get back to her if you don't mind. 
Um, so, so I'm supposed to wrap this up now, even though I'm I'm at the same spot I was in before I asked for help. You know, with this problem, but uh, I think you've you know you've just given me the only advice you probably could. You know, steer clear of fantasies altogether. So anyway, all right. Well, thanks a bunch for doing another one of these segments. It was my pleasure. Take care, Spud. All right, our esteemed resident sex therapist, Ms. Christine Gregson. Uh, we'll be right back. I said, go, man, go. I gotta tell you about the Goodwin Show, cause I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready, ready, ready to rock and roll. All right, let's get back to the music. This song is by Seattle band Warren Dunes off their 2021 release, Get Well Soon. Here is Tether. You were going, but you didn't even know And all the doctors were showing you And all the lights were glowing on Every single visitor and all the old inquisitors Were curious and curious about the way the family come Goodman Radio Show. Spud, your next guest, Jenny Slate, is good to go. Now, I'm not familiar with Jenny. Is she a musician? No, she's an actress and comedian. Okay. All right. A very funny woman. You know, on Parks and Rec, she would kill it with Ben Schwartz as, you know, they played brothers and sister. They were incredible together. We, yeah, we had Ben on. He was amazing. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, you know she's she's uh, she's done a bunch of indie films and she's killed it in those too. Uh, she's done comedy specials and just just a very talented performer. Um, I don't I don't know if every anyone remembers, but years ago she was on Saturday Night Live. You know, and people made such a big deal when she accidentally tossed out the f word on live TV. Oh, that's bad. On the East Coast, it was live. I mean, she apologized afterwards. I mean. Gosh, I don't want to count how many times I've inadvertently dropped the F word myself in public. Stuff stuff happens, you know? Well, I sure hope you don't go down that road, Spud. That would make me very uncomfortable. Uh, just put Jenny through. I need to talk with her about her new movie. It's supposed to be really, really good. Yeah. Okay, here she is. Please welcome actress, comedian, and author Jenny Slate. Thanks for checking in with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you have a new movie out, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Uh, I read it got a 100% Rotten Tomato score, so that's pretty darn impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, what you hope for, I guess. If you're, I mean, it's kind of a scary thing to hope for, but uh, luckily it happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you're, you're the co-creator of this project and the voice of Marcel. Uh, can you give us, you know, the storyline of the film? Sure. Um, Marcel Michelle Shoes On is based on the internet shorts of the same name that came out a little over a decade ago. Um, it's a stop-motion uh, and live-action animated uh, film. Um, and um, it's about Marcel Vachel and his grandmother, Nana Connie, who's played by Isabella Rossellini. Isabella Rossellini. And um, basically what happens is that uh, a young documentarian uh, is staying in an Airbnb and discovers this tiny one-inch shell and his grandmother, discovers that they've been living in an apartment um, in, a, in a house where they used to live with their whole family and that they've been, um, they've been separated from the rest of their mm-hmm. family um, and that they assume that they'll kind of like never see them again. And the documentarian starts to make little internet shorts about them and also starts to, um, you know, encourage them to take the adventure to try to find the family members that they've lost. And the whole thing is done in documentary format. Um, it's a lot like the original shorts that were on the internet. And I think it's really, really funny and really sweet. And uh, also there's a, a song or two in there. Well, you know, you were able to secure a number of cameo appearances by media and news figures, say Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes, for one. Was it pretty easy getting these people to sign on? <laughs> um, I mean, it is, a, it is a big ask to say to someone like Leslie Stahl, um, will you come with your real 60 Minutes crew and interview me, Jenny Slate, as I sit on the floor uh, and do this tiny voice as Marcel Bichel? Will you be in our movie as yourself? But luckily, our producer, Liz Holm, um, knew Sherry Finkelstein, who's a, uh, a producer of 60 Minutes. And Sherry got, uh, you know, asked Leslie to do it, and, and Leslie said yes. Like, it was a big, big request, but luckily, um, we were able to convince her, and she came and, and was lovely to work with. It was really, it was like a real honor. I was pretty nervous, to be honest. Yeah, I saw the clip, uh, a clip of the film, and uh, and Leslie was in in it, and it's God, it seemed to work great. So yeah, um, well, yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'll touch on your screen career in a sec, but uh, you're a very active voice actress. Uh, I, I can't name all the shows and films you've done, but a few are Big Mouth, Bob's Burgers, uh, the, the Secret Life of Pets, The Lorax. I could go on and on. Uh, you know, you're. You're quite active. Let's just put it that way. How much do you love this work? Because it's got to be the best gig in Hollywood. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, you know, it, it is. Um, you get to work with some of the best writers out there. You get to um, make yourself laugh. You know, do a lot of comedy and and in the projects that are also sort of like family films, there's often things that are really touching. Um, and it's like I don't know. It's just really really fun to play animals to play <laughs> children um things that you know feel feel rather innocent i, I like stepping into that mm-hmm. okay uh, well, Jenny, millions of people remember you from Parks and Rec playing Mona Lisa Saperstein, uh, the sister of Ben Schwartz's character. You guys were so good together. We've had Ben on before. I was I was always hoping that they would give you two a spinoff as I would never miss an episode. <laughs> yeah, I would do anything with Ben. He is so kind and so funny. And, I mean, I think those characters are, are successful mostly just because we are, like, I mean, they're written incredibly well by the writers on Parks and Rec, but um, we really are having as much fun as you would hope that we are having. It is such 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, blast to work with him. Yeah, right. Um, excuse me, Spud. What? Well, you two just brought up a topic that I'm very focused on right now, and I have to jump in here. Seriously? Hey, Jenny, I, I need a brief moment here. Dude, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, I heard the word spinoff come up, and I felt the need to express how big of a dream that is for my career. You know, I've asked our executive producer, Lori, on many occasions to consider creating a spinoff of this show for me. What? How, how great would that be? <laughs> it would be awesome, and I told her repeatedly that you really would be a better fit on some other show. Preferably not at this station, though, okay? But if need be, I, I could live with it as long as it was like a really, really late night slot so we would never, ever cross paths. Oh, I, I know you're joking with that last comment, but sure, I would consider having my own talk show on later at night at the station, you know, to get my toe in the door. But let's be real here, okay? I, I doubt any toe, finger, or whatever appendage of yours is going to be getting in any door well, and offered a spin-off of this show. Even if we were really popular, which is kind of necessary for a spin-off, that ship has sailed, so you, you might want to come up with a different dream. But right now, I, I just have to finish this up with Jenny, so zip it. All right, I'm back. Okay, well, let's take a step into the Wayback Machine for a second. In 2009, 2010, you, you were a cast member of Saturday Night Live. No, I'm not, I'm not going to ask about that F-word goof-up. But overall, how was that experience for you? I've heard some horror tales and some really happy stories from others. You know, generally, it was really um, important for me to achieve that goal. It was like, it's a, it's a legendary place. You know, um, it, and I'm glad I got to see the inside of it. There were lots of thrilling moments. There were, like, I loved my cast. I loved the, like, actually being a part of something that I had really worshipped as a child. And mm -hmm. um, I also think when it comes down to it, I wasn't really cut out for that type of work. You know, like, it, live TV um, is, is really intense. And I actually prefer like doing stand-up instead. I like the live thing. I like performing for people. But um, but I think in the end, I wasn't a good fit for a show that, um, you know, has been on TV for so long because it is incredible. Um, I just think maybe I wasn't so incredible on it. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, and that's okay. Like, you, you know, like, I think it's also important to be able to be like, yeah, sometimes I fail, you know, like, and I, and, and to be able to be like, the reason why I'm here and I'm doing my work is not because I'm perfect, but because I'm in love with something and I'm, I love performing and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I do it best. Right. Well, I remember back when you were on the show, and I thought you, I thought you were really good, but, uh, you know. Anyway, all right, well, let, let me hit you with this. You, yeah, you, you mentioned live performing. In, in 2019, you got back to your roots as a, as a live performer, releasing a Netflix stand-up comedy special, Stage Fright. So uh, do you, you still have the urge to do live performances these days? Yeah, you know, I still do. I still do stand-up. I'm touring this summer, and oh. um, I have a monthly show in, in L.A. I just... I'm not, like, super on social media, especially after having my baby. I just, I kind of just, like, do my life and hope that people who are going to show up to see my shows do. And I'm lucky that I've been doing stand-up for, for long enough that, um, you know, the people who know the venues come and, and see me. And um, that's 
really good. Because also, I think for people who started in stand up like me, you really remember the feeling of performing for like five people. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> a sold out show never gets old. It is always like a, just something I'm super grateful for. Um, but yeah, I would really like to make a new special. And that's the goal that I have for myself within the next year. And I'm, I'm currently building a new hour. And I have a lot of material because although I have been doing stand up, you know, like for the last, let's say, six months. I took a big break from it during the pandemic because I was pregnant for the first, exactly the first nine months of the pandemic. And then I had my baby girl and um, there wasn't a vaccine for anyone at that point. I had her in, um, you know, right as it was about to turn 2021, like in the very end of 2020. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't, I didn't feel good about, you know, being being away from the baby very much. Um, And so... I'm, I'm getting back to it now, and I've I've, I've a lot of experiences logged. <laughs> I bet you, you know? do. I bet you do. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I, I know you got a scoot, so let me remind everyone that you have a new movie out titled Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, um, and people need to go out and find it. So we just really appreciate you coming on our show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. There you have it, Ms. Jenny Slate. My, how time flies. It's a good thing this show's about over as I'm running out of those hypey words I'm supposed to be using every minute or two. Uh, I'd rather not get another letter of reprimand for not following a directive. Now here's the deal. I mean, I, I would blow it off, but the time it would take to delete it from my inbox is just not worth it. D- does anyone other than Gerald have any suggestions, any other words or anything? I don't know why you would want to block me, would want to block me from helping out here, helping out here. Oh, how about sensational? And Gerald, maybe you should just keep quiet until the show is over, for all of our sakes. They're saying we have a caller on hold. Do you want to take it? Absolutely. That would be sensational. And, and, and right now, I, I don't even care if he or she is boring as, as hell. Jeez. Yeah, uh, caller, are you there? I mean, you can even talk on speaker, which I never, ever allow if you want. That, that's how desperate I am for someone to fill out, uh, you know, our remaining airtime. Just go ahead. So, like, I'm on the air now? You're on the air right now, yes. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. So I've also had that condition, your co-host there, uh, what, uh, Gary, I guess. Anyway, when it first started happening... I was really freaked out when I started repeating stuff. My family and coworkers were pretty understanding, but uh-huh. yeah, after a while, I knew I was driving everybody crazy. Uh, caller, it's Gerald, and, and I really appreciate you calling in. I appreciate you calling in. So, how long? How long does this last? Last? I have a high school reunion. A high school reunion coming up in a few months. In a few months. You talking to me? Uh, caller, you don't have to play the role of Dr. Fauci or someone from that CDC, but if you do know anything about this and how long it lasts, please just just don't say it lasts for a long, long time. Well, I mean, uh, you know, for me, it lasted about four months. It oh, started to oh. fade away a bit after three months, but I won't lie, Jerry. It's a real drag to have this at times. I mean, especially if you're trying to have a social life. I'm recently divorced and trying out those dating sites. You know, during this period, it was hell speaking to any women on the phone. Now, though, I'm doing fine in that department. So don't let it get you down. 
and again, it's Gerald Caller. Gerald Caller. I'm not on those not on those dating sites. Dating sites. I am I am happily married. Happily married. My wife loves me. Loves me regardless. Regardless. There was no quid pro quo. And you are a very fortunate man, Gerald. After after a couple of weeks if I was your wife, Rachel, I might go get a room at a Holiday Inn until this goes away. Mrs. Jarvis, she is a very lucky woman. A very lucky woman, too. Woman, too. I am a fantastic husband. Fantastic husband. <laughs> hey, thanks for those superlatives, dude. So, so caller, I also have I've tried my luck with a bunch of dating sites. I mean, if anybody's listened to the show knows this. Uh, you say you're doing well now. Do you mind sharing any tips you know, as it's that would be much more interesting to discuss than this repeating thing. Well, the first thing I learned that really worked was trying to be a good listener. Women have told me so many guys really don't listen well. They pretend they're listening, but really they're thinking of other things in conversation. It was an issue for me in my marriage. Well, you know, live and learn, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, listening, huh? Nah, that's another one that's always been a tough one for me. Um, yeah. There's always, like, so much going on in my life, it's hard to stop my mind from processing it all. Um, I usually hear about, I don't know, 30 to 40% of what's said. and Most of the time, it's, it's no problem, but there have been moments where it's caused a few major blow-ups, you know, in relationships. I, you know, I do need to improve my listening skills to say, you know, 70 to 80%. That's my goal, at least for my next relationship. It's not that easy. Uh, really, Spud, you are a horrible listener. Always have been, even when you were a toddler. Yeah, I'm not sure if horrible will work, you know, in, in the context I've been dealing with. But, but anyway, thanks. Uh. Dorothy, you know I listen to each and every word you say. I never tune you out. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. I know you do, sweetie. It's just another reason you are the love of my life. I still don't listen that well when my mother tells me to do things around the house, though. I got to work on that. Uh, you know, hey, I got to go now. But, uh, Gary, uh, Geraldo, I'm Jerry, whatever your name is, don't let this guy get you down. Uh, it will go away soon. Uh, uh, and if it doesn't, well, you could always carry around a whiteboard and an erasable marker. I don't know how fast you can write, but it might you get through, uh, might get you through your high school reunion. Oh, that won't be necessary. Not necessary, caller. Yeah. All right, caller. Th- thanks for checking in with us. Uh, no problem. And how about phenomenal? All right, later. Hey, is, is he gone? I, I think phenomenal will work for sure. So anyway. Okay, I should wrap up the episode. <clears throat> I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. All right, I'm out of here. Oh, I didn't get the didn't get the chance to thank chance to thank the caller. The show's over. Can I leave now? Dorothy and I are going to get frozen yogurt. Yes, yes, let's go, honey. Oh, I sure wouldn't sure wouldn't mind getting some frozen getting some frozen yogurt, frozen yogurt too. Uh, I can meet you. 
meet you there. Where are where are you two you two going? I didn't I didn't hear where didn't hear where you two are going. Two are going. I guess they're gone. Oh well. Maybe next time. Next time. The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman. By Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. WCZ Radio. Associate producer, TJ Pites. Video director, Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. And Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Dear Pam McGee and Tom Nolan. Tom Nolan, copyright 2022 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. Brenneman speaking.